0: Welcome back to another edition of the Game on Fantasy podcast. I am once again joined by Gage Bridgeford. If you watched the Sunday live stream, uh, we had a blast, but we did miss Gage on Sunday. He's joined the chat, so we were able to make fun of him a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, no, yeah, hot, no hot dog takes today. If you listen to the Pack-A-Day podcast, you know that Gage and I usually do the Sunday shows. Uh, we had some fun discussions about hot dog condiments, but I think we'll probably table those for today.
1: Yeah, uh I'm not gonna bring up my hot dog takes today, but uh if you ever wanna know what my opinions on hot dog and hot dog toppings are, feel free to find me on Twitter at GBridgefruit I criticize no one for any of their opinions. You you are everybody's entitled to have whatever toppings they want on any on anything. So it maybe, I just want that to be clear.
0: Maybe sometime in the off season we could do a food take podcast we we'll I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> All right. But we got a lot to get through today, as usual, because we do only do two podcasts a week. So we have, uh, what is it, 15 games to go through? No, less than that. It's like 14. 14 games to go through. Uh, we're still waiting. Since we are recording this on Monday, we do not have the results of Charger Saints, and we do not have the results of the Bills and Titans, who supposedly will be playing on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, uh, they will be playing tonight. So we do have... What would be 12 other matchups then to talk about. Uh, no Packers, no Lions this week, but they will return in week six. Packers draw the Bucks, and I'm not sure who the Lions draw, but it
1: doesn't really matter. Lions, me, so. uh, Lions have, I want to say Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So we
0: have talked about Bucks and Bears a little bit, but let's quickly hit on it from a statistical perspective. I think we've given our thoughts and feelings on this game. I've gotten into yet another discussion about this Bears team and how good they're going to be in the second half of the season. They do have a really tough stretch of games in the second half of the year. Uh, let me see if I can find the tweet because I did all the research earlier. So uh I was you talking... talking about
1: the uh, interaction you had with Peter Bukowski? I
0: am, I am. Also, if
1: you guys don't listen to Locked On Packers, you definitely should. Peter's a great guy, uh, gives great analysis over there. Um, That's a takeaway from us, but if you want more Packers content, he's a great, great resource.
0: I agree. Uh, I used to li- I used to listen to
1: Lockdown Packers all the time. I just haven't had a ton of time to listen to podcasts lately. That's how so. I feel. Yeah, when I uh I used to drive forty five minutes to and from work every day. So and Locked Packers was always in the rotation of one of the podcasts that I listened to every single day.
0: Yeah, when I was going to college, I was walking to and from classes. That's forty five minutes of walking time plus the yep. drive in. So it was a good probably solid hour, hour and a half of time to just listen to podcasts. But uh, the Bears in the second half of their season will play the Panthers, the Saints, the Rams, the Titans, the Packers twice, the Vikings twice, the Lions, the Texans, and the Jaguars. So not an ideal slate of games for this team who is probably skating by at this point. They are 4-1, and and they should be very happy to be so because that is going to be their saving grace if they somehow sweep, sneak into these
1: playoffs come January. Do you want to play, play, play a quick game with their schedule? I just want to go through their remaining schedule, and I want you to tell me if you think that there is a more than reasonable chance that they win the game. There are certain games where I'm just like, yeah, they're probably not going to win that. But just if you think that there is a reasonable chance that they can come out with a win. So Panthers on the road. No. Rams on the road. No. Saints at home. No. no, No. Titans on the road. vikings and they're at home split with the vikings okay so we'll say they win the home lose the road sure okay at green bay home against detroit yes home against houston maybe yes or no do you think that there is a reasonable chance that they could win that game i'm not saying yes do you i'm not saying you're predicting a win here I'm just saying, do you think that if they won over Houston, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Yes. Okay. And then, oh, we already said that they lose at Minnesota, at Jacksonville. Yes. And then home against Green Bay to end the season. No. Okay. So we came out of that with one, two, three, four, four reasonable possibilities for a win. And you are really high on Carolina. I personally think that there is a reasonable chance. I'm okay, to I'm up. not
0: high on Carolina. I just think that they're better than we thought they were coming into the year. And so I well, think so that Also
1: Chicago. No, I don't agree with that at all. You think Chicago was... You expected Chicago to start 4-1. I think one.
0: Chicago is exactly what they, what we expect them to be. But at the same point, they they should not have beaten Detroit. That's one game right there. They should not have lost to Atlanta. That's another game right there. That is two and three. That's two. That's two wins. That's why we can't make these presumptions so early on in the season because those those close games they really do start to rear their ugly head as you move clo- as you move further into the
1: year. And uh, I just people said the same thing about Green Bay and New Orleans last year, and both and those Green teams Bay, finished a combined twenty six six.
0: I will be one of the first to admit that Green Bay was probably outperforming their expectations last year. They were overperforming. They were not as they were their record was better than what they actually put on the field from week to week. I will be one of the first to admit that. There's a reason why they got trounced so easily in the in the conference, in the conference championship game. They were not in the same caliber or the same level as that 49ers team, not even close. And so do you really think that I mean, is, it, is this a conversation about the Bears doing anything relevant or is it a conversation about them making the playoffs? Because with seven teams, maybe they sneak into the playoffs with eight wins. But I think, I think the think Vikings they can get chance... to the
1: playoffs pretty easily just because of how everyone else seems to be cannibalizing on themselves. The NFC East is going to field one team. There's no way they're sending two teams. There's no way they are. Then you go to the NFC West. The 49ers can't get out of their own way. The Cardinals are the same way. You have the Rams and Seahawks both look good. I think the Rams and Seahawks both have a reasonable case to end up making the playoffs here. The NFC South is going to send... One maybe two teams if Tampa and New Orleans can get their stuff figured out, and then so there so there's let's say one, two, three, four from the, the fourth being from the East, and then let's say the Buccaneers also go because Tampa and Bucks both go. We're at five. There's still two spots available. Chicago is four and one. They currently have the third best third re- best record in the NFC right now.
0: I'm not going to sit here and say that they don't make the playoffs because the chances are them making the playoffs are stronger. They're so strong right now because they've, they've been able to sneak away a couple of games here in the beginning of the season. It's going gonna, it's gonna to really help their chances moving forward. My only point here is they're not going to be a good team. While they might make the playoffs because they were able to sneak away a couple wins, they're not going to be a good team. If they win a playoff game, I would be incredibly surprised. I think the Vikings, honestly, have a better chance of making noise in the playoffs than the Bears would. And the, they have completely inverse records of each other. The The Vikings have been much more impressive for the last two weeks than the Bears have been all season. The, the Vikings got up to a really crappy start in the first couple of weeks, but they've, they've looked much better. They lost the la- two of their last three games, two of their last three losses. They've lost by a total of two points. This team is... Better than their record shows, and I really am looking forward to this Vikings team kind of kicking it back up into, kicking it back up a notch, going into the middle, the second half of the season. And once that, once they start getting healthier, uh, I don't know what's going on with Daniel Hunter. He's dealing with a neck injury, and I don't know why he's coming back. But when he comes, he's possibly back, out
1: for the season.
0: He's possibly uh, out for the season. But until yeah, until that happens, awesome. I'm going to assume he's going to play at some point. And and so, Daniel Hunter, you're probably going to get him back. We'll say week ten, and, and until. Further notice, you, you know uh, Anthony Barr. When are you getting him back? That, that's really the question too. I don't think his I don't think his injury was season-ending, but he's on IR. So they're they're gonna get healthier. The, out the for season. Oh, he's off for the season. Okay, so I yeah, misspoke there. Yes, yeah, he there. tore a peck.
1: Okay. So unless he has an, a JJ Watt comeback, he's done.
0: So the reason I think that the Vikings bode well moving into the second half of the season is because their style of play, i.e., running the football. Is gonna bode well for when you start getting into those colder months. They're gonna they're gonna be one of those teams that goes on a run. They're gonna win four or five, six games out of seven or eight, and they're gonna be right back in the thick of that that NFC uh, NFC playoff race. Excuse me. They're not gonna win the division. This is honestly the Packers division to lose at this point. I don't care if the Bears are four and one. Bears are if if Green Bay drops a game to this Bears team that we're watching right now. The I. I, I think everything I've been thinking about this Packers team would probably take a big step down because that's how poorly I think that this Bears team has played, and yet they've won games. That, the The win against Tampa is probably their best win. That's what I will say. I will say that, but that doesn't necessarily make it an impressive one for me.
1: Don't get me wrong. I think the Green Bay is clearly the class of the division. I think that the Bears are a step below, but I also think that the Bears are in a tier of their own. I don't think the Vikings are that good. Um, I think Daniil Hunter, there's a very realistic chance he doesn't play the rest of the year. His personal trainer told him that he recommends he sit out due to his neck injury, and his personal trainer has no incentive to tell Hunter to sit out. It's not like he's trying to earn a new contract. It's just he said, yeah, you should probably sit out the rest of the year to play it safe and stay healthy. So I think the Bears are in a tier of their own. As long as the offense can just get out of their own way and not make dumb mistakes, I have confidence in their ability to win the second spot out of this division and make it into the playoffs. And in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you're the best team throughout the week. It just matters who's the best team on game day. And the bears have been the better team on game day, four out of five weeks against the Colts. They got beat 19 to 11, despite holding Phillip rivers to 190 passing yards. Just, it wasn't their day. Nick Foles had a pick. It just wasn't the team's day overall. Um, I think that the Bears are better than they get credit for, and we, I mean, we've talked about that enough on here, so we don't really need to go too in-depth about that, but I just, I think the Bears are a good team. I think that they're better than they get credit for by a lot of people. I understand that they're winning close games, and they're due for regression in that standpoint, but their schedule gets more difficult. I think that they have a, they've dominated the Vikings in the last couple of years. I think they're going to do that again, because this Vikings interior offensive line is still bad. And it's not like the Bears' offense got dramatically better this year. They're just going to dominate the Vikings up front. Especially if Dalvin Cook misses any extended time. I know he got an MRI today. I haven't seen the results from it yet, so that'll be interesting to watch. Let's go to the Bucks' side of the ball. Bucks lost that game, 19-20. to Do we think when Chris Godwin comes back, that fixes everything or no?
0: I don't know if Chris Godwin returning to this Bucs offense is going to be an immediate fix. I do think that he's a better fit. I think I've said this before to you. Godwin's a better fit for what Brady wants to do than what Evans is. So I don't know if Godwin returning is an immediate fix. I do think it helps for sure. Uh, What I'm worried about here is Leonard Fournette. Is Leonard Fournette's value going to do anything for us for the remaining of the year? I mean, he hasn't been particularly good. Since he arrived in Tampa, uh, he, Ronald Jones has been better, and so to, the offensive weapons on this team I think are starting to begin to take shape. And OJ Howard was having a really nice year until he went down last week with that Achilles. So I don't know if if Godwin's going to be the saving grace for the offense. I do think he certainly helps, but I mean that the the weapons are still there regardless. Uh, Gronk has been weirdly effective. Uh, even though he can't run more than a mile per hour, uh, Tyler Johnson is a guy that has started to kind of emerge. He probably takes over the Scotty Miller, uh, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson roles that that began to take place this past week. And so Scotty Miller is going to become that de facto number four wide receiver, probably a guy who you just get, you're hoping gets a one big play a game. Um, but Tyler Johnson is going to be the wide receiver standing the team before, before we know it. Um, Mike Evans is interesting. I don't I just don't think he and Brady are a good fit. It, the the you know Evans is scoring touchdowns and it's been a saving grace so far, but I just don't know if he and Godwin are he and Evans are a good fit. He and Brady are a good fit. And I think once Godwin returns, it's going to be more of a Evans is clearly the wide receiver 2 thing. Uh, so that'll be something definitely interesting to watch. Uh but on the Chicago side before you touch on all of this, uh, you know, we talked about Chicago and their offense. I'm not going to believe in the offense until Nick Foles starts hitting five yard outs. When he starts, when he stops sailing the ball over his wide receiver on five yard outs, then I'll start believing in the offense. So, uh, David Montgomery, he's still getting all the carries in that backfield, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he got a touchdown this past week to salvage it. He got he got some good receiving work. He had eight targets, uh seven catches on thir- seven catches for thirty yards. He's getting a lot of that short short yardage work, uh, which is good for him. That's what that's where Tariq Cohen really came into play uh before he got hurt. And so Cordero Patterson as well is probably an emergency flex play. He's probably not gonna be a bad option considering they're gonna want to get him touches, and you're hoping he falls in the end zone at some point. He's you're looking looking upwards of 10 touches a game for him. And so Allen Robinson is obviously a freaking stud, 16 targets in this past game. Uh, no touchdown, so the stat looks a little, or The stat line looks a little pedestrian, but he had ten catches for ninety yards, which is an outstanding game.
1: Are you ready to buy Jimmy Graham yet? I I T- never disagree with you. Si- tight end six after five weeks of play.
0: I never disagree with you on Jimmy Graham. He is just so incredibly touchdown dependent. The, that's what. So you know we talk. Okay, when it comes to the way that Jimmy Graham is perceived in Green Bay, I always said if this guy just catches one or two more passes literally one or two more passes each season, the entire the entire way that we looked at Jimmy Graham would have changed. Because the the problem with Jimmy Graham was not the fact that he was dropping passes. It was the fact that he the team needed him to make a play in a certain spot and that's the drop that he got. Right? So like if he makes one or two more plays during his tenure at Green Bay, I think we're talking about Jimmy Graham as a reasonable success considering considering what was going on at the time. Jimmy Graham is still Jimmy Graham, and he was even doing this in Green Bay. Even in Green Bay, he was statistically he was statistically relevant. He was just very inconsistent, right? So, in a, in a season long standpoint, Jimmy Graham was good for the most part. He has had he had had bad drops, which really put a. a a blemish on his record. But three catches for 33 yards, five targets, and a touchdown. Even the touchdown was a ridiculous catch, which... Yeah, you got to
1: admit, that was pretty cool. Which that was pretty good it, it was pretty frustrating, good super
0: frustrating to watch because he never did that ever in Green Bay. He, if you even got two hands on the ball, you'd drop it. So, well, and he had one
1: hand, palms it. It was, it was pretty good. It so, a pretty good
0: play. I'm still not 100% buying Jimmy Graham because he is basically touchdown dependent. You're hoping that he gets a touchdown. Um, but the touchdown he got against the Bucks was... An anomaly in my opinion just because that's not going to happen all the time so he made no standing play i'll give him that uh, i'm still not buying him as a long-term fantasy option yet i still think you probably stash him on your bench just in case he does become one but three catches for thirty, three three catches for 33 yards is nothing to really call home about fair enough all right do you have anything to add about this game
1: no, I think we've covered it for the most part. We've I, For this being like a primarily Green Bay-slash-Wisconsin-based podcast, we talk about the Bears a lot. I think the Bears are probably the second most talked-about team on this pod.
0: They definitely are. Yeah. I think it's because it is, such a re- it is such a relevant topic to everything that we do, uh, and also to trying to figure out if this team is legitimate or not. The defense is going to be playable from a fantasy perspective. The defense will be playable for the for the long term until the foreseeable future. The offense, though, I mean, really, you're looking at David Montgomery, Allen Robinson are the only two pieces you can probably rely on. Even David Montgomery is not not doing that much with the opportunity he's being given. He salvaged his day because he was able to get a ton of volume, which is why we chase volume and not touchdowns. But even even if we look at the what how many how many touches did he have? Seventeen touches. Seventeen right? touches. Yeah, for fifty nine yards. He, sal- he salvaged the day with a
1: touchdown. So finishes RB eleven as of the like before the Monday night game, and yeah. before the Tuesday night game or whatever. So he'll be an RB one at the end of the week, or, or an RB he'll be at least an RB like two, a high uh, end RB two, yeah, yeah, at top 24 at play at the end of the week, which is great. And honestly, that's all you want. Like if you drafted David Montgomery, you got him at a severe discount, and getting him like getting high-end RB two play is great. I for me, I'm satisfied with low-end RB two play when it comes to putting Montgomery in my lineup. Most people are afraid to play him, and I'm like, nope, put him in, put put him in. He's he, he's getting volume, especially with Cohen out now. Ryan Nall isn't out snapping him. Uh, and it's not even close. Uh, I'm pulling up the snap counts from Thursday night because they hadn't been updated last looked. i don't have to looked. Uh, he had 81% of the snaps. Yeah. He had 51. Then Cordero Patterson had 24% at 15 snaps, and Ryan Nall had 4% of the snaps, or, or 6% of the snaps he was on the field for four plays. And you also have to factor in Patterson. Like That doesn't individualize his snaps. He has a wide receiver, which there were some. So this is clearly Montgomery's backfield. And He's going to get touches, and as you said, Tyler, volume is king. And we'll talk about another uh, guy here, uh, actually, in our next game. Like, you know what? Let's just go right into it. Joe me. Mixon yep. finally got the volume. <laughs> Joe Mixon finally got the volume needed to just be a safe floor play. That was his, that's always been the whole thing: is can he get volume to be a safe floor play? And that's exactly what he was on Sunday.
0: Okay, and so I want to touch on this real quick because when we went when we did the sunday live stream i went out and said joe mixon is my sleeper this week and what i meant by that was exactly this joe mixon was There was a lot of concern about whether or not you could play him and trust him. Because it wasn't necessarily Joe Mixon. It was Zach Taylor. Is Zach Taylor going to give him consistent weeks of workload? This is the second week in a row where he has been the 100% focus of this offense uh, in terms of the running back position. And so this is exactly what I was talking about. He had a terrible week. Let's put it that way. He had a terrible week in terms of uh, efficiency. He had 24 carries for 59 yards. He had twenty-four carries for fifty-nine yards. That's that's about what two point one yards per carry. 2.5 yards two point five yards per carry. Okay, whatever. i trying to trying to do math in my head. And then he had six I'm just catches going for thirty what time. ESPN said. So the efficiencies from a from an efficiency standpoint, it was not ideal. But neither was this entire Bengals offense. So for him to come out of this for him to come out of this game with thirty carries in a, in a game where, mind you, the entire time they were playing from behind. He came out of this game with 24 carries and six receptions on eight targets. This this is the game I needed to say I am playing Joe Mixon every single week as a RB two plus, and this this is why we're not going to question it moving forward. So I'm glad that he didn't he didn't get the touchdown. I think if he had the touchdown, really we're talking about having a great week. But nobody scored a touchdown on this offense. The entire offense was pedestrian. So to see him coming out to see him come out of this game with the production that he did is still really good. Uh, I want to see obviously the the efficiency metrics go up, but the entire like I said the entire offense is crap. So uh, what are your thoughts about this Bengals offense and and how they match up with this Ravens defense?
1: I don't want to dunk on Joe Burrow. But I do want to dunk on the fact that I was right. I said coming into this game, like because Joe Burrow was coming off that streak of games. We talked about it on the Thursday pod. Or no, we talked about it on last week's uh, Tuesday pod. Like the recap of how Joe Burrow was approaching QB1, start him every week status. And I was like, well, he's got Baltimore this week. I wouldn't go that far. And sure enough, he finished for with 183 yards. Got sacked seven times. And went had three carries for 10 yards. And he had a pick on the day. It was an absolutely brutal day for Joe Burrow. Uh, this Ravens defense, uh, they what they do is they send exotic blitzes, and that's going to mess up even like the most talented quarterbacks in football. Like, Baltimore is a great defense. They're a great team. Uh, Patrick Queen had a 48-yard scoop and score uh, for a touchdown. He had a great game all around. Um, just this... This Bengals team, they ran into the Baltimore buzzsaw, and it was unfortunate because it was because Burrow was getting rolling. But what I noticed is Tyler Boyd had four for 42, six targets. T. Higgins had eight targets on the day. Did you see A.J. Green's lone target of the day? Did you see this play circulating Twitter today? I did not. So A.J. Green, obviously he left the game early. Um, he only played – let's see, his snap count. He only played 42% of the snaps. He had 28 – played 28 snaps um he went up he was being covered by marcus peters joe burrow has pressure in his face he kind of fades back throws one it sails a bit on him marcus peters gets it aj green doesn't even jump for it doesn't go and try no, and tackle does. him Are you yeah it doesn't to blame aj green for this because no i'm not blaming no, no 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 i'm not blaming aj green for that absolutely not that was joe burrow's fault he should have either thrown the ball away or thrown it into the dirt i'm not blaming aj green for that i am blaming aj green for on the sideline saying just trade me already He's on the he's he's on cam mouthing the words or saying the words just We're trade speculating me already. There. I no, know. that's what it did. No, go go watch the, I saw go the watch video. It. I saw it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I didn't think I saw that's it. That's what he said. I, yeah, that's I'm, what he said. I like just it's clear to me, AJ Green's not gonna be a fantasy viable piece. T Higgins is going to be a guy. He's going to be a thing that's
0: T. Higgins was one of the top five wide receivers in his past class. Try to tell people, but nobody wanna listen. So <laughs>
1: you can make all the faces you want. He was, i had him um, i had him above right records. okay jefferson i guess you could split hairs there it depends on what you were looking for like when i watched t higgins on film my whole thing with him was he's not going to be a supreme athlete but he's going to be just a he's going to be a, solid, a solid player he just knows how to play receiver he's a good That's player it. He's, not, he's not the best
0: athlete, but he just knows how to play the position. He's a baller, and that, that means something to me. Uh, T. Higgins has seems to have a good early connection with Joe Burrow, so that's really promising to see. Uh, he, he's, yeah. I think he's becoming, from a fantasy perspective, the
1: wide receiver too there in Cincy.
0: Uh, Tyler yeah. Boyd. Tyler I, I Boyd. I'm not going
1: to put him anything above a flex play, though. I, I don't want to put him too high up yet. I think Boyd's still, like, I understand that T. Higgins led the team or had eight targets, which is two more than Tyler Boyd did, but I think Boyd's still the primary guy there. And so Higgins is still just a flex play for me, but that's a lot of rapid growth. We're five games into the season and he went from being a super deep stash in a super deep league to a flex play in probably 12 to 14 team leagues. All
0: right, moving on. Let's look at the Ravens side. Are you concerned at all about Lamar Jackson's passing? Because it seems to keep regressing and not get much better. Uh, it's, It's approaching levels of concern for me. Uh, he's gonna have the rushing floor I think we talked about this before but he didn't have that this week either he had two carries for for
1: three yards
0: right and he only had 180 yards in the air he had two touchdowns but really it was a pedestrian passing day for him
1: are you concerned at all about Lamar Jackson his passing ability moving forward Mm, yes and no for one why is he throwing the ball 37 times when you're up by when you win by 24 why did he throw the ball so much? I need. I'm gonna go. This will be one of the games I go and watch this week on film because I want to know why Baltimore had him throw so much. Mark Ingram averaged over five yards per carry. J.K. Dobbins only got one carry on the day for some reason. Gus Edwards had seven carries. Get your. You have all these talented runners. Let them run the ball. That's your whole thing is running the ball. You want maybe Lamar Jackson was dealing with the knee injury, so they were trying to protect him from himself. That's fine. Use your other running backs. You have. Four. You have H- Ingram, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. You have four guys who can see the field and not just be look like they're completely lost out there. Give them the ball. Let them do something. I got kind of bit by Mark Ingram this week. Uh, oh, I God. said I was going to go back to the well one more time. I'm done. I got bit. Yeah, I'm done. He he was he was good. Average over five yards per carry. He's, he he's, just, he's
0: approaching good football player. Bad fantasy. Bad
1: fantasy. Yeah, that's where he's at for me. Um, In terms of Lamar's passing, I'm concerned from the standpoint that he's exactly what we expected him to be. Like last year, he was transcendental in terms of he was playing at his absolute ceiling. Now he's playing at what we expect him to be. And he's still a good football player, but he's not necessarily as good of a fantasy asset. And on days like this where he only has three yards on the ground, He's not going to be a great fantasy asset. And what you likely invested in him to get him is you invested high stuff. to. And he's a premium player. You need him to be good. And right now he's just performing average. He's, I think, QB 11 on the year, if I remember correctly. Uh, he's, he's either QB 11 or, like, he's a low-end QB 1 still. And I think he's going to have better games moving forward. But it is still concerning guys. QB 11 right now, uh, just one point ahead of Gardner Minshew and a point behind Jared Goff. So I think he's going to have better games moving forward, but it is something to monitor. You likely don't have a better backup option or a logical explanation to benching Lamar, but it is something that you're going to have to start to pay attention to.
0: So I like how you said, you know, this is something that we had as concerns when he was coming into the league. So one of the worst trades I ever made, I'm just going to revisit this with you real quick. It was a dynasty trade. I acquired Tyler Lockett. It was Cooper Cup post ACL. I had picked up Lamar Jackson off waivers Uh, at this time. I had Carson Wentz and I had somebody else as my quarterbacks. And then I was getting so basically I made a trade of Lamar Jackson and Cooper Cup for Tyler Lockett, Drew Brees, and a second round pick. Okay, now this is this was this was pre last year. So obviously it does not look good in hindsight, but you know my logic was Cooper Cup coming off the ACL, maybe he's not the same player. I, got, yeah. I knew what I was getting in Tyler Lockett. I was okay with that. So basically I was moving Lamar Jackson. I was a contending team. I was moving Lamar Jackson for Drew Brees in a second. Okay, so yeah. in a in a one quarterback league, whatever. So the reason the reasoning for behind that, and I think this is where I messed up, is I sold too early. I. I did not believe in the player to be a long-term asset. So in the terms of dynasty, this move made sense to me. I was getting a breeze back because I was adding a third quarterback because of the championship run. But really, it was kind of trying to maximize the value because I I thought what we had seen at the end of his rookie year was not going to necessarily translate completely, and it did last year. And now I think what you said here, I think we're starting to see some of those problems that we saw at Louisville and some of the things that he – was not necessarily able to overcome um, in that rookie year, but then he played at a transcendental level last year, and now he's kind of regressing again back to the norm. So let's see if he can get back to that transcendental level because that's going to be really important moving forward. I I still think he's one of the top, what, top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now. Oh, for
1: sure, absolutely. Because not only does he, like, if you take away – like if you include everything the whole body of work like as a passer no he's not a top 10 passer but quarterback with what he brings with his legs he's absolutely a top 10 quarterback in the league and when he's on there's simply not many players there's never been a player that can do what he does other than maybe michael vick
0: but there's a reason that a lot of these guys don't stick around for long nfl careers there is a reason for that so with Let's move on, though. We've talked about Lamar Jackson for quite a while. But that's definitely something I'm monitoring moving forward. Uh, I want to keep my eye on him. So Panthers, Falcons, what a fun game. I'm glad I'm, I'm hoping you listened to me and took the Panthers in this game because that was an easy two-and-a-half-point cover there. Uh, Falcons looked like crap. They fired Dimitrov and Quinn for that reason. Uh, Panthers, Todd Gurley
1: looked good. Todd Gurley did look good. Did you see my little post today? I saw that you and I both apparently were individually touting Todd Gurley all offseason because I was going after him a lot. Um, I got him an SFBX. And I was like, I have Alvin Kamara. I don't need him to be great. I just need him to be good. And so far, he's been really damn good.
0: Four out of, uh, like, four out of five weeks so far, he's finished in double-digit points. A lot of that is based on touchdowns. But the most promising thing for Todd Gurley right now is this fine, This last week. He looked better. He was running through contact. 14 carries, 121 yards. He's not the same running back he was when he, when he won MVP. That is undebatable. But he looked very serviceable. He had still looked like a very good top running back in the NFL. Uh, he reminded me a lot of, and he always kind of had this similar running style, but he reminded me a lot of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell never was the type of guy to just blow by guys, right? He, But yeah. he was always the type of guy who was going to make the right decision, and he was going to power through the hole, get four to five yards of carry. He knew when to bounce it out. That's what Todd Gurley's kind of regressing to now.
1: Gurley was so, getting really good at getting around the edge on Sunday. Yes. Uh, like I, like there was a number of plays where he outran guys to the corner. And I was like, there you go. There's that burst from that washed-up running back that everyone thought was gone. Yeah, he's winning. He's winning with instincts,
0: and he's winning mentally. And that's when you're a running back, if you're good enough, there's, why do you think Frank Gore has stuck around as long as he has? Because he, he knows how to run the football. It's not all about athletic ability. It's not all about it. So uh, Todd Gurley while he still has that knee the concerns about arthritis in his knee um, I've said it before if you're on a championship team uh, or if you're a championship contending team in dynasty he's one of my top targets this year and he's prune uh, proven prune he has proven to be to be that so far four out of five uh, weeks in double digit points so far and uh, nothing changed this past week there's no there's no competition behind him either Brian Hill is not gonna steal his snaps even though Brian Hill had six yards of carry this past week I
1: will say Todd Gurley only had fifty has ne- his most snap percentage this season, 64% in week two, which was his worst week, interestingly enough. He's had 46%, 51%, 54%, 55%. And Brian Hill's had 27%, 20%, 34%, 23%, 31%. So they are getting Brian Hill on the field. Gurley's still getting the touches, but Brian Hill is getting out there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to cap 65% of the snaps that that's just how you're going to manage his workload. And I think that was part of the concern, but he's being efficient with the touches and that's that's what you want. Absolutely. So let's go to this passing attack. No Julio Jones. So the first thing I noticed when I watched the game was that they tried to get Zacchaeus involved, uh, he did not get involved. He had one catch for 13 yards on four targets. Calvin Calvin Ridley returned to form. <laughs> I wonder why that happened. Uh, so Todd Gurley here had four catches on five targets, 29 yards. Russell Gage was the third receiver here. Oh, I'm sorry. Hayden Hurst had six targets, but two catches, eight yards, and then Russell Gage had two for 16. Overall, pedestrian day for the offense as well. Not what you expected. Hurst should have had a
1: touchdown too. Like if he t- if like he like the one that he missed in the end zone, Ryan. Barely overthrew him, but if Hurst just runs through it, he catches it, but instead he tried to do the one-two jump thing and just came up like it hit off his fingertips. If he just runs through the ball, it's a walk-in touchdown.
0: Okay, so I, I have another question for you too, and I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme on this podcast. Panthers passing, right. Panthers passing defense. Has your opinion changed at all?
1: No. No, I mean, my opinion still what it is. I think that this defense is playing well. Uh, I think that a lot of guys are playing up to their absolute potential. Mm-hmm. The plays that Atlanta was able to move the ball were exactly where I said they were going to be able to move the ball was underneath routes that Carolina is willing to give up because they they, were, they give those up and then they rallied the ball really well. Uh, well maybe, and maybe then there's
0: something to that because that's what the Colts do as well.
1: That's and then those, but then and then they give up those deep shots and the when Atlanta got those big chunk plays. That's where they were hitting. They were hitting those deep balls in the in the zones behind the corner and uh, between the safety and the sideline. Um, like Calvin Ridley's long of the day was 26 yards, and it wasn't anything fancy. He went up and he went out. The corner took underneath. Safety couldn't close to the sideline in time, and you, you just can't defend it. And Carolina's willing to give that up. You just have to be willing to push the envelope and go after that spot. If you're not willing to go after it, you're going you're gonna they're gonna look really good and that's why um it'll be really important like for teams to see that on film there that's what they're willing to give up is underneath and out if you can generate yards after the catch really well you can have really you can have success against this team and if you can hit really push the ball down the field if you have a quarterback that's willing to take those shots uh you're gonna so that's why i think that if they played against a team like the Chiefs, and I know everyone's like, "Oh well, the Chiefs are just loaded with weapons." Yes, but Mahomes is willing to throw those balls. Russell Wilson. I'm pretty sure Seattle will play Carolina at some point this year, right? Uh, I don't know, but I but talk like about so the
0: offensive side too, though. Because
1: Mike up, is Mike Davis. Is Mike Davis still valuable when CMC comes back?
0: He's a flex play. I think because you have to even be- when CMC comes back because because well, listen to this, like you just locked up McCaffrey for long-term. So what's the best way to manage that asset of McCaffrey? Well, he's just coming back from an injury. Why are you going to put him back into his 90% snap loads that you were doing before? You're not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. So if Mike Davis has shown that he can be productive one, I think this just fuels the discussion of running backs don't matter. So saying right now, 16 carries 89 yards. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, so just the, the fact is Mike Davis has been relevant. I think if you have that opportunity, you can rest McCaffrey and not have a, a tremendous step down in production. Why would you not take that? It just seems like the smart thing to do. I don't know enough about Matt Rule yet and his staff to, to indicatively say what's going to happen here. But I just think that would be the smart thing to do from a coaching standpoint
1: it would be a smart thing to do. I just don't know if they're going to do it. Like, if the, if it comes back and they are splitting touches, then yeah, I think Mike Davis is a flex play. But I go under the idea that Mike Davis is going to be relegated to just occasional, like, breather duties. Uh, he's playing 83% of the snaps right now. If it comes back and McCaffrey's playing 70% or 65% of the snaps, then yeah, Mike Davis is a flex play, but... If he's just, But if it comes back, CMC's just roaring, playing at his full level again, I don't see how there's a reasonable path to it. Now, what about these receivers, man?
0: Robbie Anderson's receiver
1: one. Robbie Anderson's right, receiver one. DJ Moore finally shows signs of life again. Four for 93 and a touchdown.
0: Only five targets, though. That's yeah, he nothing. only had five targets,
1: nothing which was tied for Curtis Samuel.
0: Yeah, nothing no. Compared to 13 for Robbie Anderson. Eight for 112 for him. Uh, Curtis Samuel had five for 36 on five targets. Uh, they haven't quite used him like I thought they would, so that's on me. Because I think it's because of the emergence of Mike Davis. I didn't expect Mike Davis to be this good. I thought he'd be a very average runner. Uh, he's been better than expected, so I think that really ate into the way I thought they would use uh, Curtis Samuel. But, moving on, Robbie Anderson, definitely the wide receiver one in Carolina until further notice, and I don't think it's... That's not an indictment of DJ Moore. Uh, it, it's just the fact that I think
1: Robbie Anderson has a better connection with Teddy Bridgewater than Moore does. And It's because of how they're using him. I know I've said this before on the pod, but... Robbie Anderson for being a deep threat. I put that in air quotes for everybody. Obviously you can't see Robbie Anderson's a deep threat because he's got crazy speed, but he's, they're not running him exclusively on nine, fly routes and nine routes. They're not running him down the field. That's not what they're doing. They're having him work underneath and they're sending DJ Moore down the field and Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy two gloves, as we all know and love doesn't want to push the ball down the field. That's not what he does. He likes to take underneath stuff and let his receivers do do stuff after the catch. Robbie Anderson would probably be a Panthers defensive killer because he gets the ball underneath and then just makes stuff happen afterwards because he's so damn fast. Um, so I think that that's why there's such a good connection there is because Bridgewater continues to push to just rely on underneath stuff and Robbie Anderson, at his size and in an offense that is generating natural separation for him, is able to make plays with the ball. So. Robbie Inson yep definitely the wide receiver one um I don't know if I'll have him ranked as a wide receiver one next week but he'll definitely be um, a near lock for your lineups depending on who else you have in front of him um DJ Moore still fantasy viable but is fading Curtis Samuel I'm deep league flex option I'm holding I'm holding, but I'm not playing I the the biggest miss on this entire team for me is Ian Thomas it's I so
0: sad I love it is play. I
1: I love the player. He also went to IU while I was there, so I was so I was in on it for that. I was like, yo, Ian Thomas to Teddy Bridgewater, they're going to have a connection here, like Teddy did with Kyle Rudolph back when he was in Minnesota and just nothing. The one target he got Teddy threw at his feet, it was just bad. So, Teddy Teddy's looking good though. Uh he is currently t- QB15 at the end of the league. From a non from a non fantasy perspective, he's a
0: top ten quarterback in the league.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like third in the NFL in passing yards or something like that something right like now. That. Something like that. So so yeah, he's playing really well. Uh, he's fantasy viable, definitely in QB two or two QB leagues, and depending on matchup QB or one QB leagues. Uh, great bye week fill in right now. Uh, we already we kind of touched on Mike Davis. Uh, his role, you got to wait and see with how it goes uh, when CMC comes back. What do you think about the defense? Do you think the defense is fantasy viable at all? Because I don't have not The only reason I don't think they are, they don't generate a ton of pressure. Like That's they true. had, they only had two sacks. Uh, Brian Burns just got hurt too, which sucks because Brian Burns is super talented. Love the player. As much as I love Rashawn Gary, I would have loved for Green Bay to have taken Brian Burns last year. Nothing against Rashawn Gary. It's just where I had Brian, I had Brian Burns ranked higher.
0: All right, let's move on because we're forty minutes in. And we've only co- we've only covered like three games, so we All right, days. let's get it. <laughs> Raiders Chiefs. All right, uh, rapid fire here. Ra- uh, Raiders Chiefs. David uh, David Carr, Derek Carr. Uh, another great day for him. Three hundred forty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs, twenty-three carries, seventy-seven yards. Looked like he was dealing with an injury throughout the game. Two touchdowns though. Uh, so not nothing too concerning until he actually shows signs of an injury, uh, he's going to play through him. He's a tough guy. So uh, receiving game. I think
1: part of that was uh, f- was cramping. A lot of the guys in this game were dealing with cramps and stuff like that because the weather was unusually hot for October in Kansas City. So that's what um, a lot of guys – because see- I was seeing a lot of guys come off the field to get fluids and stuff like that. So I think that's mostly what he's dealing with. He might have something else, but – that was a lot of what most yeah. of these guys were. I'm not too concerned
0: like. about it unless it becomes a bigger thing over the week. Uh, yeah. Receiving-wise, Henry Ruggs had two carries for 118 yards. Uh, two two catches, yeah. My goodness. It has been a long day for me, folks. Two receptions, 118 yards on a touchdown, 72 yard long, three targets only. Uh, Darren Waller's still the leading receiver here. Jalen Rashard had five targets. So nothing too exciting here. Uh, you're still probably not playing Henry Ruggs. I don't think he's going to be your – he. Henry Ruggs is going to be what Will Fuller was early in his career, which is, hey, I really need somebody to just have a big week, and it's going to be completely boomer bust, so I'm going to throw Henry Ruggs in my flex. That's that's what Henry Ruggs is going to be this year. Um, I think as you move forward into the second and third years, he can become more of a PPR guy, but until then, you're really, really hoping for that big play for him. And not to say he can't do that every week, because he probably could. But teams are going to catch on, and teams are going to do things to, to mitigate that. So the success of this Raiders offense can moving forward is something to put under a microscope. Because uh, I really like Derek Carr. I really, I really think it's a good fit. John Gruden's doing a good job with his offense. Um, whoever he has running the offense there, uh, they're, they're doing a good job. So uh, He's calling the plays. Oh, is he? I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. So Chiefs side, uh, Tyreek Hill. Overall, a pretty disappointing day by my standards. I think from what I'm expecting from Tyreek Hill, he only had three catches for 78 yards on six targets. Uh, He had three carries for 15 yards, and he scored here, so his day looks better than it really was. So he he had six touches for 93 yards, which is not terrible. But I think where you're drafting Tyreek Hill, I'm looking for a little bit more consistent production there. This has been the second or third week in a row where he's kind of done that. He hasn't really had a ton of consistent targets and a ton of consistent receptions, so... Mahomes is spreading the ball around, except for uh, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's incredibly consistent. You can play him every week, obviously. So, really, it's the rest. The rest of the wide receivers here. Uh, You had Tyreek Hill with three targets. I'm sorry, with three catches. Hardman had three targets, two catches. Watkins had two catches uh, on two targets. And he's actually expected
1: to miss some time with an injury too. Right,
0: and then Demarcus Robinson also had four targets and two catches, so for two yards, for two yards, he he take three yard long. He pulled the Mike Evans stat line without the touchdowns. So, um, yeah, Mahomes though, there were some plays in this game that made you scratch your head. Uh, The overall is still a fantastic day for him: 340 yards and two and two scores. But there were definitely some plays where I was like, "That's not very Mahomes like." So. uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Don't don't quote me there. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eye on the the bad plays because if if those start to kind of continue to persist, it's mostly in discussion for like MVP and stuff like that. I'm probably not gonna pick him for MVP like that type of thing. So uh, my Mahomes yeah, are still gonna the, be from a fantasy perspective a top five play every week.
1: Yeah, the Raiders did what the what I said that they needed to do uh, that the Patriots did was they dropped a lot of guys in coverage and late in the game. They were only sending like three guys. Mahomes was still having to move the po- move out of the pocket. Was having to move around. Uh, he got sacked three times for seven yard losses. But he was there was just no one to throw to on a team with all the speed in the world. He couldn't find an open guy to save his life. He was moving around. Just Hill wasn't open. Kelsey wasn't open. Miko uh, Byron Pringle, who was out there. There no one. There was no one to throw to. This defense was like here. We'll go ahead and we'll send three. You can have all the time you want, but we're going to drop everybody in coverage and you're not going to be able to throw to anybody. And that's, we we're not used to seeing that from this chiefs, from this chiefs team. And um, they also on off it, their defense was struggling massively with big plays, which that's been the way to beat the chiefs is to hit big plays. It's similar to how the bucks have gotten beaten in the last couple of years, where th- when they lose, it's because a team has the best three point shooting night of their life. The Raiders beat the chiefs this week because they had the best deep ball game of Derek Carr's career. He had two different touchdowns of 55-plus yards, one to Henry Ruggs, one to Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Hunter Renfro had one catch for 42 yards on one target, which was kind of bizarre to see him only getting one target on the afternoon. Darren Waller had five for 48 on seven targets, including a big 23-yarder late in the game that uh, set up, I believe, their final touchdown of the afternoon. So... Just this Chiefs team is going to score points. They scored 32 at a loss. And just, I agree, Mahomes is more from a like MVP discussion perspective. It's going to be interesting to see. I think that he's clearly not, he, he's definitely not in the top two right now. The top two are definitely Rodgers and Wilson. And then I think that they're in a tier of their own, and then Mahomes and other guys fall in. Travis Kelsey said after the game that he needed to be better, and I thought he played a pretty damn good game. He had 8 for 108 on 12 targets and he caught a touchdown, I thought he had a pretty good game. Uh, maybe from a po- football perspective, he thinks he needs to do better, but from a fantasy perspective, you know what he is. With Sammy Watkins out, are you more willing to start either one of Nicole Hardman or DeMarcus Robinson? Uh,
0: Mahomes has always had a thing for DeMarcus Robinson, no? Like, he's always had a thing for uh, – I don't know why, but it feels like he enjoys throwing to DeMarcus Robinson, whereas Miko Hardman is – just literally a, a Tyreek Hill replacement. Like, oh, hey, Tyreek Hill needs a breather. Let's put Michael Hardman in. That's exactly what uh, Hardman feels like. So I would much rather put Faith into Marcus Robinson uh, without Sammy Watkins. But I'm not, it's not a ton. I'm probably picking him up and I'm stashing him just in case he does go off like he did last year. But it's not going to be – I'm not going to expect a ton right away. I, I'm going to have to wait and see. So let's move on, though. Uh, Steelers, Eagles – you know, Carson Wentz in this game, I don't think he was terrible. It, it, he had the two picks, but the, I don't know. He, he was better than what the stat line shows, which is 258 uh, yards on 20 out of 35, passing for two touchdowns and two picks. Um, I thought there were flashes of good Carson Wentz in this game. I really did. And uh, I'm excited to watch him moving forward. It. From a fantasy perspective, if you're getting 20 points a game from Carson Wentz at the quarterback position, that's incredibly awesome. Like That is what that is what you want. You want somebody who's just going to be consistent. You know what they're going to get. Unless you have a Mahomes or a Jackson or a Rodgers, like, you're not going to get those guys who are just going to put up consistently 30, 35-point weeks. So if you can find a guy you can put up 20-point weeks, then that's great. It's That's usually what you're doing. That's why you draft quarterbacks late because you don't have to depend on that the boom production from those guys, you could just get 20 points from this guy, and then hopefully you have the wide receivers and running backs to, to make up the difference there. So Carson Wentz, I think, is getting back on track. I think this is going to be the beginning of a, uh, what's the word, ascension towards uh, basically the mean for him. And so Miles Sanders, 11 carries, 80 yards. <laughs> this is a stat. He really had 10 carries for 6 yards. Let's, put, let's look at it that way. 10 carries for 6 yards, and then he had 1 for 74. So... <laughs> I don't know if this is a testament to Miles Sanders or this offensive line or both. I think it's probably a
1: little bit of both. Sanders is it's also the defense. The defensive matchup was terrible. Steelers defense is really good. Like coming into the game, that's why we were all kind of down on Sanders as a consensus. I know I didn't I didn't see a single expert that was in love with the Sanders matchup this week because the Steelers have a great defense. They were coming off an extra week of rest, so they were going to be a good team. And if it wasn't for that one breakout play, he had nothing. He didn't do anything. Yes, obviously we have to factor in touchdowns because touchdowns matter. And he's getting the volume. But he only had 11 carries. He only had 11 carries on the day, and he only had two catches for 19 yards. I don't know what it is with this team and just not featuring their talented players. And it's not even like they were down a ton. Like Even at halftime, they were only down by three points. So it was still a close game. So Sanders could have continued to get the ball. He didn't. He, yeah, 10 carries for six yards is bad. Two touchdowns is great. He finished with a he finished with a good fantasy day as a result. So uh also Carson Wentz, I don't going to know what's scoring. Am I looking to sell Miles Sanders? Are you talking uh redraft or dynasty? Both. Dynasty definitely not. Redraft, it depends on what my other options are at the position and what I can get back for him. If I can get like Todd Gurley plus a good wide receiver. I'm down. Like if I if I need another wide receiver and I have running back depth and I can afford to take a step back at the running back position, I think I think I would do that. But but, but is dynasty Todd Gurley no. and Miles
0: Sanders a step back, I don't know. Anyway, I mean not <laughs>
1: for someone like me, but that's why I'm trading for Todd Gurley. Uh but no. So I think that Todd Gurley era, I think Miles Sanders for dynasty you just you can't get rid of him. He's a super talented player. He get he's I just really think- integrated the in- I don't think
0: he's that good of a runner. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I just don't think no, he's that good of a runner. He's just he's can. a super great athlete. I just think that is really gonna be saving grace. And then you see it in a week like this where the offensive line is not that good. I mean, ten carries for six yards is atrocious. He had two That's touchdowns, bad. he had two touchdowns and he had the big play, so it really is gonna mask that deficiency. But the his biggest problem coming out of Penn State was always his vision as his running back vision, his vision as a ball carrier. The The things that you need to be a good runner at the NFL level, he has not yet shown that. The Eagles do a good job of utilizing him in a way where he can be productive, but if they're not scheming plays for him specifically, I don't know if he's ever going to be a consistent down-to-down producer.
1: Can I make one quick thing in regards to why Sanders did have a terrible matchup? So he had 10 carries for 6 yards, right? This is the same Steelers defense that held Saquon Barkley to 14 carries for negative one yard to start the season. He had 15 carries for six yards on the night. He had a long of seven. So that means his other 14 carries were negative one yard. And that was against the Giants offensive line. The the Philly offensive line is beat up. Brandon Brooks out. Jason Peters out. Lane Johnson dealing with an injury. Jason Kelsey is the only good starter on this offensive line. So Sanders wasn't set up for success. I agree that Sanders isn't a great pure runner. Like, in terms of if you go to the other side of the football, football you had James Conner, who is a good pure runner. He had a bad game against a good Philadelphia Eagles front. But, the like, that's whole, Sanders' whole thing is explosiveness and having big plays, and he had a big play. And at the end of the day, you're going to take that. It's similar to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is going to have games where he only catches one ball or catches two balls, and you're just hoping he breaks a big one goes to Henry Ruggs as well. Sanders kind of falls in that bucket, and you're just hoping he gets more volume moving forward. Coming into the year, we were like, if he just gets the volume, he'll be fine. He didn't get the volume on this day, but he was fine anyway. His matchups also get easier. Next week, they have Baltimore, which means I'm down on literally this entire offense. Uh, But after that, they get Giants, Cowboys, Giants in three games. In the next month, now would be the time if you're looking for Tobias Miles Sanders, go buy him next week. After they lose to the Ravens, go buy him because his price is going to be bottomed out and his matchups get a lot easier after that. Do you think Travis Fulgham is is viable long term?
0: I'm stashing him in Dynasty just because. Because what if what if we have a situation here where Alshon Jeffrey never makes a legitimate return this year? He's this year's AJ Green. And so then JJ Arcega-Whiteside is not good. He never was. And so Greg Ward uh, is Greg Ward. It, Jalen Rager can't get healthy. You know, what, what about all these things? This is why I'm going and stashing Travis Fulgham. I don't know. If, I don't know if I necessarily believe in the player, uh, but he looked. He looked pretty good considering some some of the plays that I saw him uh, make on Sunday against the Steelers team. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't like dynamic, but he was just really consistent and solid. I mean, he's catching the football. That's really all you can ask out of a wide receiver. The ball was hitting him in the hands, and he was catching. it. That's really all you can ask out of him. So he's not a dynamic route runner, but he was consistent. So. I think Wentz will continue to look to him, and I think he has a role in this team moving forward. Especially if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't return this year or returns in a lesser role, I think Fulgham, I think Fulgham becomes the the, the de facto Alshon Jeffrey, and so there there definitely is a path for him to remain uh, relevant for the long term. Rib Zach Ertz? Question mark. Uh, Zach Ertz one catch six yards on six targets. So disappointing. I he's getting bullied every single play. I, I just I don't think he wants to play anymore. That's really what it looks like. He doesn't it doesn't look like he is super interested in fighting for the ball like he used to. He used to be a very physical tight end. He's not doing that this year and so honestly, it just looks like he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia anymore. and I think this really all stems from the Goddard talk in training camp. Uh, so you know no Goddard I never you,
1: got that new contract either. He never
0: got the new contract. I I don't blame him, but from a, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not playing him anymore. I can't do it. I think I, I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. I don't care who else is on my labor wire, Logan Thomas, Jared Cook. I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. I'm playing that, that guy over Zach Ertz right now until he shows me that he cares again and that he actually wants to play for this Philadelphia Eagles team, and he might not. Maybe, maybe when Goddard comes
1: back, we just don't see Ertz anymore at all. I agree. Uh, let's move over to Pittsburgh because we've spent a lot of time on Philly. Ben Roethlisberger, 27 for 34, 239 yards, three touchdowns. It's a good game for Ben. Claypool. I love it. Nope, we're not
0: there yet. He's the only thing to talk about.
1: He's no, the only thing not, to talk about here. We're not there yet. Ben is fantasy viable. Moving on, James Conner, 15 for 44 and a touchdown. There's, and he had three catches. All right, you're still yards. playing Conner,
0: Claypool. So yep, We're
1: not there yet. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster had four for 28 on five targets. Claypool. So Are you concerned about oh, I'm I'm not done yet. Are we concerned about Juju because he's had a no. g- couple of bad weeks now? No. Okay, still in. Okay, Eric Ebron, five for forty-three on six targets. Eric Ebron is fantasy viable. Would when you start him over fumbling. Zach Ertz? He had one. Okay, he had one fumble. My bad. He, two. Would you start him over Zach Ertz? I'm
0: struggling. I would you start
1: him over Zach Ertz?
0: It's very close. Cool. Okay,
1: the answer is yes. Now, Chase Claypool caught seven of his 11 targets for 110 yards, had three touchdowns, sell, also added sell, three sell. carries for six kidding. yards and a touchdown.
0: The reason I say sell is because I'm not buying at the price because the price is going to be astronomical. I, it is. If I can yeah. get him at a discount, though, a relative discount to the situation, he looked really good, and he had a great connection with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going everywhere I can to get him. I—, I, I I wasn't even, a believer coming out of Notre Dame, but he is—he 100% proven me wrong. He had he had the training camp darling speak on him, and now he's showing up in games. James Washington and Deontay Johnson, your shares are depleting quickly. I Deontay
1: went, Johnson got injured. That's the one thing I want to say about Claypool. even when Deontay J- Johnson got injured and left the game really early, and then Claypool boomed after that. I'm not I'm not doubting Claypool. Claypool is not a supreme athlete. He needs to have tight end eligibility because he's also a tight end. Yeah, I made no, the he's joke. Not. He's not. A i was making a joke come I, I'm on i'm
0: glad you said that because uh, uh, anyway no
1: but deontay johnson got injured early in the game do you think even if deontay johnson comes back chase claypool sees this heavy of a role
0: maybe not this heavy but he's definitely the wide receiver too in my opinion fair enough so james washington you should have never had shares of him to begin with and Facts. uh deontay johnson you just i'm, I'm abandoning ship uh, i'm playing the injury card i'm talking to guys and see if they still have interest in him but i'm abandoning ship and i'm going on the chase claypool train uh Man, I don't. I actually have to check and see if he's available in my redraft league. So we'll do that real quick. But uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: he's not. He actually might be. There's a couple of redraft okay, he leagues. He might in be, it.
1: but you're not. You're not going to be able to get him in waiver priority because you're just so good at fantasy. He's so he's not available. Unless you, you don't st- have. A-
0: unless you play with rolling waivers and you stash your you stash your first uh, first place waiver claim. Wow. So, anyway, uh, let's, we don't have time to talk about waiver strategy right now. That's an off season topic. So, <laughs> moving on here, let's go to Cardinals. Uh, and, uh, Jets, uh, you know, that little, uh, what's, what's that sound of sound effect? It goes like, wah, 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 wah. yeah, that, that, the horn,
1: wah, 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 wah. Yeah, that's the Jets. Yeah, that
0: one. That's, that's exactly how I feel about all the Jets.
1: They're a dumpster fire.
0: Jamison Crowder though. Jamison Crowder still remains relevant when he's healthy here. Uh, the, the health is a big question mark for him. Always has been, but eight, eight catches, 116 yards, one score, uh, 10 targets for him. Uh, Jeff Smith had 11 targets, didn't do much with it. So moving on to Livion Bell, 13 carries, 60 yards, not terrible. Uh, you know, probably just got game scripted out. He got one catch for seven yards on one target. Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. Uh,
1: that's it. I think it's the Jets, right? The one thing about, the, about Bell, Bell did get game scripted out, but you also have to factor in he was coming back off that injury, so I'm sure that they were maybe saving him. But then again, Adam Gase is kind of a moron, so – He could just say, nope, Frank Gore is great. We're playing Frank Gore.
0: But they practice Um, so well. I don't know why they're not playing well in games.
1: Dude, I loved hearing that quote. It was (laughs) awesome. Okay, let's move over to to Arizona. Kyler Murray, he's back, kind of. 27 for 37, 380 yards. One touchdown, one interception. It's the Jets. Yeah, again, it it is the Jets. That was the one thing you're worried about. Like, this team's bad. So, uh, But he did have one touchdown, one interception. He had nine carries for 31 yards, which is a down game for him uh but when you get nine carries 31 yards a touchdown and 380 passing yards and a touchdown you're gonna have a good game nuke back six for 131 and a touchdown seven targets christian kirk showed some life he sure did i was super thrilled about that because i was high on christian kirk all off season again it's the jets so i'm tempering my expectations but it was still nice to see do you so now do you bury Kenyon drake
0: I, am, I had never had Kenyon Drake to begin with. Let's just put it that way. I was, uh, when people were going out and paying first round picks for Kenyon Drake, I was the guy sitting on the waiver, waiver wire picking up Chase Edmonds. So that's where I'm looking. I think Chase Edmonds has more of a future in this backfield than Kenyon Drake, Drake does. I, I just think that the coaching staff loves Edmonds and they continue to get him touches. You know, we talked about it on the last podcast, I think it was, that he's not getting a ton of work, but now he got six targets. He got, three carries he's not gonna they're not gonna use him as a runner too much but you know he's getting the passing work he's turning into James White like that that is what he is turning into you can play him in your flex and get yourself seven to eight points and I'm stashing that on my bench every day of the week
1: yeah um I mean as a person that like I the I got one share of Kenyon Drake I got him as a third round pick um it is kind of a letdown for me I thought Kenny Drake could play well last season. He did. He did play very well in this offense, and just he's not as effective as he was last year. It's unfortunate. Chase Edmonds is clearly fantasy viable. I wasn't super sold on it, but now after seeing it for a couple weeks, I'm I do believe that it's a, do believe it's a real thing. So, so I'm gonna go ahead and continue to put Chase Edmonds in only in PPR though. I can't play him in standard formats right, because. Right. He just doesn't get enough volume. Chase Ed, or Kenyon Drake is still getting the majority of the carries. He had 18 carries for 60 yards. Chase Edmonds had three for 36 and a touchdown. So, so Chase Edmonds in PPR flex option. Kenyon Drake, you almost have to play him.
0: You have to with with all the upcoming so much buys, in and, the injuries, and buys, injuries, and everything else. Yes. Yeah,
1: but but you know who you're playing on this offense. You're playing new Christian Kirk is still a flex option for me at least. Uh, Kyler Murray kind of bounced back. You're hoping that he can string this together again uh, with more difficult matchups to come down the road. But let's let's go ahead and move on to the next one.
0: Yeah, Jaguars-Texans. Uh, Gardner Minshew performed, I think, as expected here. Uh, Deshaun Watson had another good game. He threw two picks still, but 359 yards for Deshaun Watson, three touchdowns. And he had two carries for 25 yards. David Johnson was rather impressive in this game. James Robinson kind of disappointed a little bit, but not really his fault. I think the offense overall uh, just got – I don't want to call it game-scripted, but it really did get game-scripted out because the this game was closer than the final score indicates. It was 30-14, but the, the Texans just laid it on in the fourth quarter. Uh, James Robinson got 13 carries with five catches, so still getting the volume there. Uh, he just didn't get a score this week. You, you're not going to get a touchdown every week. That's fine. That's why you go chase volume. Uh, so let's see here. Going all over the place. Gardner Minshew had four carries for 18 yards. LaVisca Chanel is the wide receiver one. DJ Chark left with an injury again this week. So LaVisca Chanel becomes your de facto uh, Jacksonville wide receiver one. Chris Conley is probably your wide receiver three, with Keelan Cole being wide receiver two. Um, D.D. Westbrook can't stay healthy, and he's probably not going to be a thing when he comes back. Anyway, I love D.D. Westbrook coming out of Oklahoma, but he has royally struggled at the NFL level. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Brandon Cooks, finally. Finally, 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 Brandon Cooks had a hell of a game. He even took I – I had a cringy moment, though. He took a helmet-to-helmet hit. I thought for sure he was about to be knocked out. I was like, oh, no, another concussion for Brandon Cooks. But he stood right up, and uh, he continued to make plays. Uh, Will, Will Fuller, uh, four receptions, 58 yards here. Uh, and then Ronald, Randall Cobb, six catches for 47. Uh, David Johnson not getting any of the receiving work that you'd expect, but he did have 17, 17 carries
1: for 96 yards. He did have he caught yeah he only caught 2 for 7 but he did have four targets compared to just one for Duke Johnson. So he didn't necessarily get the like the actual receptions but he definitely did get more like he got more of the the opportunity if you want to call it that. He had 96 yards on the ground. Um he had a he had a decent day. Wasn't a great day, but for David Johnson, it was it was an okay day especially after some bad weeks that he's put up recently. So Will Fuller was great. I, like Brandon Cooks, it was great to see life out of him. The thing for me, that, like out of this offense, is seeing Will Fuller continue to show value. Like the whole thing was, oh, Will Fuller can't stay healthy. So he's got no value. He's staying healthy. He's having value now. So Will Fuller is a firm, safe start for me every week. Brandon Cooks is an interesting flex option. Yes, he had a great week. I'm not taking that away from him. He had 12, ki- 12 targets. Eight for 161 a fantastic day. Got a touchdown. But I need to see it again. Because he's coming off a game where he put up a goose egg. Like he put he had zero points last week. I need to see that he can do this again and not just have a flash in the pan week. Like Cedric Wilson against the Seattle Seahawks had like five catches for and two touchdowns and has done next to nothing since then. So I want to see Brandon Cooks do it again. I understand that Cedric Wilson and Brandon Cooks are two very different players, but you get the point. LaVisca Chenault is wide receiver twenty-six in PPR right now. Seven for seventy-nine, eight targets. Had a great day. Surprised he didn't get any rushing work. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great to see Visca getting involved. Um, he is clearly a featured piece. I started him in a couple of leagues, actually, just due to injuries, COVID, and a few other things. And he did me well. 14 You'll take 14.9 PPR points out of a guy that you probably got with your last pick in the draft in most redraft leagues. In Dynasty, you probably had to invest something more in him, but... In redraft leagues, you probably got him near the end of the draft, and you're, you're going to be more than happy with getting that out of that guy.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, moving on. Rams, Washington here. Uh, let's just start with Washington real quick. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissich, Terry McLaurin. That is absolutely it. No questions about it. Antonio Gibson's getting the volume, not very, not very efficient. Um, I, I, you know, get a terrible day. He did. He's still getting the volume, which is why you're going to be okay with playing him, but... He's not a good. He's not a good runner. Like I don't. Like people need to understand this. He's getting the big plays, but you can't. It's live crazy on big that plays. a wide
1: receiver in college is not a good uh, running back.
0: It's, it's just crazy. It's just. Uh, it's so frustrating because like I'm sitting here like he's not. He's he's a he's a tremendous athlete, but he is not a good running back, and it's gonna take time for him to be to be efficient in that area. And so the big plays, the explosive plays, yes, those are positives, and you're probably playing Antonio Gibson out of necessity now. But I mean, you're gonna have weeks like this. He had a total of 16 touches for 51 yards. That's three yards a touch. So it's that's pretty bad. Uh, JD McKissic is your James White of this team as well. Six catches, 46 yards, eight targets. Uh, you know, solid six and six. No, I'm sorry, 7.6 points if you're playing full PPR or half PPR. Full PPR, you're getting 10.6 out of him. So. Uh,
1: I agree on the Washington things, but there's one thing that you failed to mention thus far that absolutely needs to be mentioned. Alex Smith played. Terribly. He didn't. Do, he didn't play. He didn't play well. I don't care. I don't care. Alex <laughs> no. Smith had never needed to suit up for anybody. He never needed to suit up to prove anything to anyone. He didn't play well. He, he got beaten around. He got sacked six times for 31 yards of loss. Had a 3.2 QBR. I don't care. The fact that he simply played is as everything i think that alex smith was the most unifying moment we have had this entire year Th- that and, and then dak dak. Got i was gonna
0: say dak after the fact because i was
1: like i think those are the only two like unifying things we've had all year not just in football just the ability to unify around seeing smith suit up and play again yeah he had a terrible day but who cares he got on the field the guy could have retired two years ago, and no one would have said anything about it. No one would have said, wow, he's a weak player. No. The guy went and played. Kyle Allen's bad. Let's move over to the Rams. Jared Goff had a good day. 309 yards through the air. Two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Daryl Henderson got the touchdowns, and he's so he's fantasy viable for that reason. But Cam, Cam Akers, Akers is going to
0: get the touches. Cam Akers did yep. not look that good. He had nine carries for 61 yards, but he had... Eight carries for 15. Outside of that, so it's very similar to the Miles Sanders thing. You've got to see consistent production. Eight carries for 15 yards is less than two yards to carry. That's not good. All right. 46 yard long is going to make up most of his value for the day. Now McVeigh did come out and say that Acres will be getting more of a workload next week, which is which is a key thing to consider. Coaches don't just say that because, especially when they're talking to the media. So I still think Daryl Henderson is going to be effective in this offense i think malcolm brown is the one who's truly affected by the cam Akers workload increase so it's going to become Akers and henderson moving forward uh but i I mean overall robert woods becoming a must play in your flex uh in most most situations cooper cup is still still a must play had eight targets five catches 66 yards uh after that, I mean, Jared Gerald Everett had four catches for 90 yards. I mean, it's great to consider. Tyler Higby had two for 12. This is kind of the second week in a row where he's had a dud week. It's almost like you can't sustain three touchdowns and four catches every week.
1: He's actually had four out of five weeks he's had dud weeks. I, like, recapped the Rams stuff, and I went back and looked, and in four out of five weeks he's been a dud. Like, there's no – it's not like he's been – okay in a couple weeks really good in that one week and a dud in two he was been he's been a dud in four out of five weeks he offers you similar to zach ertz he offers you nothing after the catch
0: i completely agree he's a, he's a blocker he's a blocker they're trying to make him into a receiver i'm taking the better athlete the better receiver gerald everett uh from for the most part but the the tight end position here i'm probably avoiding until further notice until there's a clear cut this is their guy at the, at the tight end position for production. Uh, I'm probably avoiding Higby and Everett, but I'm stashing Everett for sure. So, uh, other any other notes on this team here? Nope, we're good. All right, moving on. Rapid fire now. Giants-Cowboys. Uh, obviously, the very sad news here. Uh, I legit did shed a tear, by the way, watching Dak get crowded off because that was... It was uh, incredibly heartbreaking, especially just seeing his his reaction and then the teammates and and how much he meant to the to the fans, the fans that were actually in Dallas watching this game. Um, the the moment that they started to cheer when he was being carted off and he just threw his he just threw his fist up it was like it was like straight out of a movie. So uh, definitely, I just got goosebumps
1: thinking about it. Yeah,
0: definitely had me had me going there. I was very emotional there. Andy Dalton came in was actually pretty effective. Nine of 11, 111 yard hundred eleven yards. QBR does not reflect that, but. Uh, Whatever. Uh, Zuki Elliott, 19 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and he also had one catch for 14 yards. But uh, C.D. Lamb, this is what we need to talk about. C.D. Lamb is, does, has cemented himself as a wide receiver, too, on this Dallas team. Michael Gallup, as much as I love him, is too big play dependent. His his day was salvaged by the two big catches uh, towards the end of the game. I think he made up over, like, 60 yards. and uh, So he had two catches for 60 yards in the last minute. And then he had four for 73 for the entire game. So don't be too fooled by the Michael Gallup line. I love the player. Absolutely love Michael Gallup. But he is, getting, he is just getting schemed out right now. And so yeah. with Andy Dalton coming in, that's not going to change. It's probably going to hurt him. So yeah. uh, Amari Cooper is probably going to be your
1: wide receiver one well, still. I do- Amari Cooper is still the wide receiver one. He had a bad game. Yes. That's it. There's no, there's no like thinking too much into it. He's been the wide receiver one. But this one is what he through- does. This is what he yeah, does. He, he had a bad week. He but through through 5 weeks he had had a lot of good weeks. So he was True, telling, he's a, But this I'm is why gonna, I'm not going to crucify him for one bad week.
0: I'm not crucifying him, but this is definitely this is definitely textbook Amara Cooper and why people have a lower view of him than they maybe should because he will do this. He'll have three or four good weeks and then he'll go out and put two really bad weeks. And so, yeah. you you got to weather the storm. I understand I the consistency. If, I mean, you could certainly package Cooper up and go get somebody that's a little bit more consistent. Um, and from week to week, you're getting 10 to 15 points. But Cooper's Cooper's boom weeks are going to even all that out, as we've said here just now. So, nothing else. I think
1: else. Dalton Schultz has better weeks moving forward as well. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're just, good. Like, this Dallas offense, CeeDee Lamb had a great game. Zeke had a great game. Gallup, I think, trends down. Cooper, I think, is a hold still. Uh, Schultz, I think, i will have better weeks. He... Put up a lot of better weeks. This team might not throw nearly as much with Dalton under center, but Dalton's still a more than serviceable quarterback. Uh, I think he's probably still the second best starting quarterback in the NFC East. I think he's better than Daniel Jones. So, um, so I think any I think this offense can still throw enough uh with him under center. Cal Cooper's still good. Schultz Schultz will have better weeks. There's not a ton for me to talk about there. On the Giants side of the ball, I will eat my crow on Devonta Freeman. Yes. He had a he had a good game. He wasn't efficient. He only had three and a half yards per carry. Volume is king. <laughs> Volume was king. Yeah, he had a touchdown. He had two catches for twenty-seven yards. He played well. Darius Slayton is a, is is legit good. He's a approaching, that...
0: approaching must play top twenty-four wide receiver every week status.
1: He's a, he is a lo- near lock for flex league for your flex play at this point. Like he, top he twenty, should like he, be a
0: lock for your flex play. Given given no Sterling
1: Shepherd, like Shepard, depending on, I'm just basing it on like what else you might have. I think even with Sterling Shepherd's back Slayton's still a solid start. Is Shepherd coming back this year? He should, yeah, because his injury was only supposed to be like a short term IR thing. Uh, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Uh, but you're right; it I'm doesn't not, change much for me. So I'm not playing Daniel Jones, Freeman. If he's going to do this, he's a flex play, low and wide or RB two. Uh, Darius Slayton is a you're playing him. Evan Ingram has a rushing touchdown but only got one catch for 16 yards in the day because 2020 continues to be confusing. Do you play Evan Ingram?
0: You probably have to. Fair enough. I think this was an off week for him. I mean, he got matched up against Jalen Smith and um, Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas. Yeah. uh, I think it's just an off week.
1: Miami at San Francisco. This game was awesome. This game was great. This game was I disgusting.
0: Was... The, the Niners were terrible all around. And yeah, they were. They're, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but they have dealt with injuries in the past. And granted, they missing –
1: the Debo's yeah. back, Kittle's back, Mostert's back, right. played very well. They have
0: little to no excuse other than Jimmy Garoppolo. But
1: Jimmy God, G's God. back.
0: Garoppolo was bad, really, 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 really bad. Uh I they're gonna they're gonna hide the fact that they benched him behind that ankle injury, but I don't know, man. He just looked bad. He was just bad, yeah. So CJ Beathard was not much better. The the offense until further notice is on notice. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of wide receivers in playing here. Ayuk and Debo are the only two I'm considering. Um, only and I'm not
1: even playing him. Debo had eight now. targets on the day and only caught two for 19 yards.
0: George Kittle, you have to play, but I mean, what you saw this weekend is not very promising considering. These guys could hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, Raheem Mostert is the lock in this backfield. For once, yeah. we have clarity in the San Francisco backfield. This, yes, we do. This is, this is the guy that you can play every week with confidence. He had fourteen touches for one hundred and nineteen yards. Uh, he still, he still Raheem Mostert. He still is doing Mostert things, making that one big, making that one big play, and then just running by everybody. So,
1: yeah, and when Fitz plays nearly perfect for Miami, like he was nearly perfect, twenty-two for twenty-eight, three hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns. He had the quarterback rating, 154 and a half. That's just barely off perfect. He had a fantastic game. He's not going to do this every week. We all know that Fitz is hot, cold. He didn't do it
0: last week against Seattle. We expect him to do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Miles Gaskin is a flex play, low-end RB2 for me. Right now, he's getting the volume. He had 16 carries for 57 yards, and he got a touchdown. And he had five catches for 34 yards. That's 8, 13, 19. He had a 19-point week.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good week for Miles Gaskin. Uh, he's the clear, he's the clear running back one there. They did give Matt Breida nine carries, but he did nothing with them. So yeah, nine the, for the, the mystery of Matt Breida still exists. I know you, don't, I know you think he's just simply not that good, but uh, no, Jordan it's not Howard. Not that I don't think all. he's not
1: that good. It's I just think that he shouldn't get targets or he shouldn't get as many touches as he does. I think Miles Gaskin has shown that he's he should get the touches because he's at least doing something with them. Breida, I think, is more of a change of pace back. And I think nine t- touches or 10 t- total touches is too many for your change of pace guy.
0: Uh, Well, these two are technically on the same pace of carries, like nine carries for 28 yards is a little over three. And so is 16
1: for uh, 57. Yeah. 3.6 versus 3.1. Yeah. What do you do with the wide receivers? Is Parker still the only one you're starting, even though Preston yes. Williams went bonkers? Yes, I am
0: still only starting Devontae Parker. The secondary for the Niners has just been obliterated, and it really did show this week that I understand that they're dealing with injuries. I just expect a little bit more fight from a Kyle Kyle Shanahan team. This is not what we've come to expect from them, uh, either defensively or offensively. Uh, But I think I was expecting that that this game would be a little bit more of a shootout. I, I thought San Francisco would be able to... To do some things on offense, and then we got a really, really bad Jimmy Garoppolo, and everything just kind of fell apart from there.
1: Yep. Let's move on to this final or uh, four o'clock game.
0: Yeah, Colts got... Browns. Uh, this was actually a good game. Um, the Browns are the Browns are legit. There were times in this game where I was watching them, and I came away legitimately impressed with how they were playing uh, on all levels. They're on offense. Um, Baker's pretty limited. I think we can agree to that at this point. Baker's not going to be the guy. He's going to lead a team. He's going to do what he did in Oklahoma, and you're going to say, "Oh, well, he put up records at Oklahoma." He sure did, but at the same time, if you go back and watch him, he was still very limited in what he could do at Oklahoma. But he was winning games because he was able to do the he was able to do the things he needed to do when he needed to do them. And so, and, and so, I'm looking at the the rest of this team here. Cream Hunt, 20 carries, 72 yards. Uh, Dearness Johnson, eight carries, 32. Jarvis Landry four for eighty eight. Uh, he had a couple of really really bad drops too. The the Browns even though there were moments where I was like okay, this is a legitimate team. They should be a playoff team, no doubt. They're gonna they should be able to do something in the playoffs. There were also times where I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like the the drops on little three yard outs by Jarvis Landry, mental errors like that is what's, what's going to cost this football team games. Uh, whereas the Colts, they need to get rid of Phillip Rivers. He's he's holding that offense back completely. Uh, they, they need to start Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they need to get the ball to Jonathan Taylor more. Uh, and Jacob
1: Easton season, man. What are you talking about?
0: I mean, I love Easton. I just don't think he's ready at all. So oh, he's um, not.
1: I was being I was sarcastic.
0: <laughs> so, but they have Jacoby Brissett. Why not throw him in? And see if he can lead this team uh, back to relevancy. Because Philip Rivers is probably worse to him right now. Uh, he's just. When when you have a guy like Phillip Rivers, you're expecting him to be safe with the football, and when he's not being safe with the football, that just hurts your team. It, it's just you can't. There's no way to to, to really
1: tolerate it. In and, my opinion. And he doesn't have the arm to really drive through like those balls that he's trying to press into a tight window. Like guys like Rodgers, Mahomes, Wilson, just those guys that have a little bit of an arm to them, they can sling it and they can. If the window's tight, they'll get. They can get the ball there. Rivers ball the ball doesn't come out hot enough and it's not and you can't you, you just can't have that teams are opportunistic defenses are good Denzel he honestly should have had another pick Denzel Ward should have picked him off on on one ball like so Denzel Ward had one that he jumped and if he jumps it half a second sooner he's gone it's pick six I, I'm and I'm still, pretty sure I'm the Colts ended up scoring there. Defense, by the way
0: I, I'm still be- I still believe in them. Phillip Rivers did absolutely nothing to help this unit on Sunday. Absolutely nothing. The, the offense set up the defense in so many bad situations. I still believe in this Colts defense, and the way that they need to win games is play good defense and run the football. And until they figure that out, uh, it might be a rough time in Indy. But the defense is good. The defense can carry them. Similarly to what the Bears did uh, last year, and 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 really they were – or was it last year or two years ago? It was two years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago, and and they just were better than they should have been, and then they got outed in the first round of the playoffs because of it, because they couldn't run an offense, but they were at least a playoff team. And I think that this is—I think that this Colts team is very similar.
1: Yeah, they're definitely a playoff team. Um, no, no doubt about that in my mind. I think that I, I'm ready to see what the Titans do uh, against Buffalo this week because if the Titans can, if the Titans hang with Buffalo or beat Buffalo then I, I'm still putting them above uh, Indianapolis, but if they get blown out in any way, shape, or form by a legit team, because I think this is their first legit uh, team that they played so far, I'd be willing to put the Colts as the best team in the AFC South, despite not having the best record. Jonathan Taylor needs to get the ball more. He salvages the day with a touchdown, had two for 17. Naeem Hines, after really exploding to start the year. And Marlon Mack getting injured, you would have thought that he'd was getting he be getting more work, but he's not, even in the receiving game. Only had two catches for 22 yards, four targets. Not great. Mo Alley-Cox and Jack Doyle did zilch squat. It looks like Trey Burton is the guy now among tight ends to own there. Uh, it's a mess. He's had I'm two good weeks in a row. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I agree. T.Y. Hilton, six for 69, 10 targets on the day. He got volume, but just couldn't do anything with it. This whole this whole offense, especially passing offense, is just bad with Rivers under center, and it's just like and as long as Rivers is there, you have to dampen expectations in a big way for everybody on this offense. Also, uh, I think you mentioned it. Odell Beckham Jr. is still good, five for fifty-eight, nine targets. He he's gonna have better games. He's gonna break it out. Austin Hooper has now put two good games in a row together. Are you playing him every week? or Are you still waiting?
0: Uh. Probably a high-end tight end too.
1: High-end tight end too. Yes. All right, cool. Let's move on to our final game. We're going to cover today: Seahawks Vikings. Oh, Justin Jefferson. It's
0: not, it wasn't even his fault. It wasn't even his fault. I was watching that game. He was open so much. Kirk Cousins was just he had he had a freaking thing for Thielen. Uh, Justin Jefferson had three catches for twenty three yards, five targets. I'm sorry I told everybody that he'd have a big week because I thought he would, and he really was on track to. You watch this game; he's always freaking open. Kirk Cousins just never got the Cousins ball.
1: Cousins was feeling feeling. Good lord,
0: this is <laughs> nice. disgusting. I, I, I'm, I'm so mad right now because Justin Jefferson should have had a big week, but he every he threw everything towards Thielen and uh, and Irv Smith, who I guess Irv Smith. Okay, cool. So. It's crazy.
1: It's like Irv Smith is the third best pass catcher on this team, not including Dalvin Cook. That part is fair.
0: It's just the fact that we haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, he's just, he doesn't get the volume, and it makes no sense. I get that that's like the Vikings want to run the ball. I get that. But Irv Smith needs to get more targets, he needs to get more looks in the passing game. He gives them an element they don't have right now. He gives them a guy that can open up the seam and can really open up underneath stuff for guys like Jefferson and Thielen, who work primarily on the underneath stuff. So, Herb Smith needs to get the ball more. Alexander Madison. I assume if Dalvin Cook misses any time, obviously he got an MRI today. We Please mentioned we have that earlier. RB1 if, if Borderline RB one. Cook misses time. Okay, okay, fair enough. Do you think? Can you trust Kirk Cousins to play at all? No. Okay, cool. That's it. We don't need to cover anything else. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are both good. Jefferson's gonna have better weeks. Thielen's gonna have worse weeks. Let's move over to the Seattle side of the ball. Is DK Metcalf the the wide receiver one in Seattle? Still Tyler Lockett? Yes. Cool. Chris Carson, hashtag good at football.
0: Awesome. He is one of the funnest running backs I think we've had the opportunity to watch maybe since Adrian Peterson. Saquon Barkley is probably in that conversation as well. But Chris Carson, he's obviously not as talented as those guys, but just from a watching somebody play football perspective, I love watching Chris Carson play.
1: That's fair. I love watching Chris Carson play too. Um, For being a seventh-round guy out of Oklahoma State, He's played very well. He's RB5 right now in PPR. That's where he'll be at the end of tonight because Alvin is playing ahead of him. And unless Devin Singletary or Derrick Henry just goes off, Carson's going to continue to be the RB5. He didn't have a ton of carries, only 8 for 52 in a touchdown, but he got receiving work, 6 for 27, 7 targets. You're starting Carson every week. And if you're not, you're not doing it right. Carson's great. Um, he Even when this team gets down big, like they went scoreless in the first half, They keep him on the field and throw to him. There's certain running backs that get taken off when they're down big. Carson's not one of those guys. He used to starting him. He used to be. He's not right now. Russ is going to have better weeks, by the way. 217 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And that pick was bad. It was was was, really bad. It was bad. I don't know what the I don't know what the thought process was there. He should have thrown that ball away. That was a terrible, terrible decision. QB one, Aaron Rodgers would not make that mistake. Russell is going to have better weeks. You're not benching him. There's there's not a ton to talk about. Greg Olson had kind of a down night. But then again, the rain coming down as hard as it was, this whole passing attack was de- was depressed in value. But he only got one target, which is kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a single player that I'm drawing conclusions from in this game. Even Kirk Cousins, I'm sitting here and looking at it like, okay, you know, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances. Uh, but... God, I'm going to go back to Justin Jefferson real quick. There were at least two to three plays where he had a touchdown. At least two to three plays where he had a touchdown. And then Captain Captain Checkdown himself, Kirk Cousins, decided to drop it down underneath to Madison or Irv Smith or Adam Thielen. And so, uh, anyway, I'll move on because I will probably end up having an. Hey, it's rhythm. okay, man.
1: I was in the boat with you. <laughs> I drank the Jefferson Kool-Aid. I said that he would have had a good game. Now, if I had known it was going to have a monsoon in Seattle. That's true, I too. I would have severely tempered my expectations.
0: I was expecting about another 13 to 14 points from both teams in this game.
1: Yeah, no, I was too. I took the over in this game pretty easily. Uh, 57 point over under. And I think if it does rain as hard as it does, we see that. Tyler Lockett dropped that ball down near the goal line, which is kind of weird, but you're still starting Lockett. DK's a start. Carson's a start. Olsen's a low end. It is a high end tight end two still for me. Um, I think he'll have better weeks. I think this whole offense will have better weeks. I agree with you on Minnesota. Adam Thielen's still a fantasy viable player. Jefferson's going to have better weeks. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate the performances we saw in weeks three and four, but I think he'll still have better weeks. Um, Like Tyler said, if Dalvin Cook misses, Madison, you're plugging and playing if you got him. And hopefully you were smart and you went out and invested in Alexander Madison if you drafted Dalvin Cook because it it was known before the year that if Dalvin Cook gets injured, Alexander Madison is fantasy viable. We saw that again. They they were pushing the ball all over. Granted, he did miss a pretty wide open hole that would have sealed the game, but you're gonna you're gonna have that.
0: Uh, you most certainly will. That's why he's the backup to Dalvin Cook. So uh, Dalvin Cook certainly is something to keep an eye on because he did re-aggravate that groin, and he looks like he may have been able to go back in, but it looks like the coaching staff said no. So maybe they were being safe with him, uh, and he that was why he didn't go back in. But 37 carries. 39 carries. If you added Mike Boone, uh, that's an insane amount of rushing work. So you don't see that on most teams. But uh, what are what are some kind of kinda your final thoughts and uh, reactions from Week Five? Then
1: the NFL season is an impossible thing to predict. If you had told me that Miami came out and dropped 43 points on San Francisco, I would have said, "Oh, so San Francisco dropped 50."
0: That's I right. I
1: didn't. I didn't expect that. Uh, I if you told me that the Raiders dropped forty, I would have said, "Oh, so Kansas City dropped sixty points, and that t- that total hit a hundred points." I just I, there was a lot of things you couldn't expect out of here. Philly hit having twenty nine points against Pittsburgh was incredible.
0: They played surprisingly well. Like I said, there were we flashes did. of old Carson once in that game. I think this is the beginning of him returning to form. So
1: yeah so that's so this this season's impossible to predict uh hopefully you have depth because injuries and bye weeks are getting ready to kick up hot and heavy we got next week new orleans oakland or vegas and seattle are all on buys next week that's a lot of fantasy goodness going on guys. i have one t- one league where i'm just openly like yep i'm gonna lose this week so so, <laughs> so yeah um, to do that yeah hopefully you hopefully you drafted really well um Because uh, injuries and bye weeks are really going to start to kick up.
0: They most certainly will. And as we talk about things kicking up, uh, I think we can start to make this announcement now. Uh, So we normally record our weekly preview podcast on Thursday nights. Well, we have decided to convert that into a live stream. Uh, So some of the finer details to follow. But you can look out for the live stream on Thursday evenings. It'll be around 6 Eastern. Uh, most likely something like 637 Eastern. Uh, the plan is to wrap it up right before uh, Thursday Night Football starts in on those nights. So be on the lookout for that. Come join us. And uh, while we're talking about the, the matchups ahead that week, don't be afraid to give us your questions. Uh, that's really the main reason for it because I realize there on Sunday that there's a huge opportunity to really answer your questions before we get to Sunday morning. So... It gives us more time to have discourse with the people who are listening to us, uh, and, and really to give back to them. So, uh, as always, though, uh, like, rate, and subscribe, so we know that that you are listening, and that and then you're giving us feedback, so we know how we can get better. Uh, go check out the game on Wisconsin Twitter page again for the Jamal the Jamal Williams Fund Me uh, items. There's a number of pages there this, go check it out. The Jamal Williams show on Tuesday evenings as well. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning, check it out on the this evening, so Tuesday evening for the Jamal Williams show. But uh, that's pretty much it. There's a lot going on so please stay tuned to The Game on Wisconsin Twitter. But until next time, go back.